Dominic, Dominic, Dominic. Highly contested. T3 on the track. The takes is high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Act like radios are all. The takes is high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Hello and welcome to Highly Contested. This podcast covers some of the hottest topics in the world of football and basketball, where our crew gives our highly contested takes on these topics and supports our takes with facts. I'm Andrew and I'm here with George, Joe, and Eric, full crew today. We're going to start with Eric. How you doing today, Eric? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. How about you? Doing great. Joe, how about you? How you doing? I'm doing all right today, man. Let's just saw this saw this game. It's doing pretty good. George, how you doing? Man, I'm doing amazing. About to have a little game night with the boys this weekend. So, you know, I'm going to come up with some extra cash. So, I just see cash flow coming everywhere. Me and Drew got some bets coming up. I'm going to win that. We're going to win some money in poker. It's oh, yeah, just, right, dude. It's just slow, you know, I'm, I'm going to have, have you guys pay for my PS5, essentially. Oh, my God. Cash flow from his pockets to ours. Bro, bro, I'm just going to tell you this right <laughs> now. You have zero shot at the Bengals versus Dolphins. You have zero shot at that one. I don't know, man. We'll see. I think Clay has a better shot. I think so, too. In a wheelchair. He still has a better shot. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but for real, for real, prayers for Clay. You know, yeah, we don't wish injuries on anyone. Hope uh, he gets a speedy recovery. Broke my heart. Agreed. Some of today's featured topics include: Can the Golden State Warriors be a playoff team without Clay Thompson this season? How good can the Suns be with the addition of Chris Paul in their lineup? And should the Rockets be serious about trading James Harden and Russell Westbrook? Let's dive headfirst into it here on Highly Contested. Let's start with the NBA. It is with great sadness that we learn that Golden State Warriors guard Clay Thompson will not play the upcoming season due to an Achilles tendon injury suffered in Southern California on Wednesday morning. Now, the Warriors will have to look towards the 2020-2021 season without their star shooting guard. So, George... Can the Warriors be a playoff team without Klay Thompson this season? Um, well, with how the roster is currently constructed as of now, I think I don't think they'll be title contenders, but I do think they'll make the playoffs. I'd say they'd be somewhere at the bottom tier of the playoffs teams fighting for a spot. Uh, missing Klay is going to be a huge hit for this team because he's arguably one of the best two-way players in the NBA, and you really can't replace that. We're talking about a player who would get the toughest assignment on defense by guarding the best player on the opposing team. And then he also had the ability to go off for 60 points in a game or 37 points in a quarter or break the three-point shooting record in a game. Um, He's arguably top five, a three-point shooter of all time in NBA history. And, you know, I'm going to give some credit to the Warriors organization for, you know, attempting to compete and not trying to tank. They added Kelly Oubre, and uh, he's got a $14 million contract, and that's going to be an $80 million bill towards the luxury tax for the Warriors. Uh, they're going to have the biggest luxury tax in NBA history, somewhere in the neighborhood of $130 million. And uh, with that signing, what it says to me is they don't care about that luxury tax. They're trying to win games. They're trying to compete. They're not going to go out there and tank. And you know, I, I respect that because most teams probably would just say, you know what? Let's tank again. Let's get another top pick, but they're not doing that. And then I'm going to give Steve Kerr, you know, the benefit of the doubt, see what he can do with the pieces they got and uh, with that system, because that system, oftentimes it gets compared to the Spurs. And we've seen throughout many years that the Spurs, they don't miss many playoff games. You know, we just recently saw that, but that's not common for them. And I've seen Russell Westbrook single-handedly take the OKC Thunder to the sixth seed, the fourth seed, without Kevin Durant when he left. So, And I know most people consider Curry to be a better player, and they got some good pieces there. So definitely think they could be in that six to eight seed area. Eric, what are your thoughts on the, this injury and the upcoming season for them? Uh, Well... For the Warriors to make playoffs, I think they could land between the three to sixth spot, seventh maybe, but I still see them 
middle of the pack here. Um, you also got to remember that if Houston gets rid of Harden and they get rid of Westbrook, if that happens uh, this year, then Houston to me is completely out of the mix unless they get some real good quality uh, players back. If not, and they start doing a, a huge rebuild, they're out of the playoffs. And then you have teams, for example, like OKC, which made the playoffs last year. Um, well, they're minus a Chris Paul now. And then uh, they they got back, though, Rubio, and they got back Kelly Oubre. But now Oubre's with the Warriors, and Rubio is back with the Minnesota Timberwolves. So they were depleted, and Gallinari is the free agent. He's probably going to leave. Uh, they're a playoff team that was there last year. They're out. So that, uh, we'll open two spots. Uh, no matter what, one spot will be open due to OKC not being there. So I still think, like I say, they're going to be middle of the pack. You still have Stephen Curry, the best shoot, I mean, point guard probably ever to play, uh, which is very disputed between him, Magic Johnson, you know. But uh, Hall of Famer nonetheless, unanim- uh, unanimous MVP. And then you have Draymond Green teaching the defense to the young Wiseman. Uh, and then you also have Kelly Oubre, like we said earlier, who got picked up by the Warriors for almost for nothing. It was a protected first-round pick. OKC is loaded with picks now, but this protected first-round pick is pretty good. As long as the Warriors are top 20, they pretty much only give them two seconds, uh, second-round picks, that is. So it looks like the Warriors ran away with this, especially since they had a $17.5 million trade exception that, that they have from trading Igadawa to the Heat. Um or oh, sorry, well, we and he ended up being on the Heat, but they they traded Degudala nonetheless and got that uh, trade exception. They only used fourteen million dollars of it to get Ubre. So yeah, it does attack that luxury tax, like George was saying. Uh, but like also like George was saying, the Bob Myers and the owner Joe Lakeup, he is not afraid to spend money to see this team flourish. He will do what he can for this team. Um, they were eyeing Kelly Oubre before this Clay Thompson injury. Prayers up to um, to Clay Thompson. It sucks to see him go down after he was already gone for more than a year. Now it's his other leg, and it's an even worse injury. So it just sucks to see him go down like that. But no, he'll be he'll be back. Um, hopefully, I don't think you know that type of injury will sideline someone for the rest of their career nowadays. But you know you never know. But prayers up. Um, but yeah, you know Bob Myers just makes the right moves all the time. I have being a Warriors fan, I have one hundred percent faith in the staff and organization that the Warriors is, and I know they'll come out uh, middle of the pack here for the playoffs. Woo! Oh, all right. Uh, Got to slap myself awake there for a second. Joe, how you doing? What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think the Warriors this year can be a mid to low end playoff team without Klay Thompson since he, like, uh, the George and Eric previously said he tore his uh, right Achilles. So n- now it's up to the Warriors on what they can do next. They got their man Wiseman in the draft on Wednesday, and now they picked up Kelly Oubre at, uh, through a trade. And this could set them up for a decent season, not at their full potential. They have they they have a really good starting lineup. But, like I said, it, they, the lineup can be a mid-to-low-end playoff team. And like Eric said, how some of the teams are possibly going to be out. Like the, I think he said the Thunder and some other teams like that. So that opens some spots. So I it's going to be kind of tough watching this team this season. But I still have faith that the Warriors are going to uh, still be in playoffs. George? Do you have anything to say about that or no? Um, you know, just to, you know, Eric mentioned some of those teams that might not be in the playoffs that were. There also might be some other teams that might be in the playoffs. You know, we saw the Suns. They were already borderline. They added Chris Paul. And we saw what Chris Paul could do with the Thunder. And they didn't have a Devin Booker on the team. You know, we saw the Grizzlies were in that mix. The Pelicans will be in that mix. So I still think there'll be a bottom tier, like fighting for that playoff spot. But, uh They'll definitely be there fighting if everyone stays healthy. Hey, uh, Drew, you got anything to say about that before Eric says anything? Or you guys want to have Eric go first? Uh, I'm just going to pretty much give my two cents on this. I think they can make the 7th or 8th seed without Clay, But as George mentioned, they're not going to be a playoff. They're not going to be a championship contending team without him. Even if they get Kelly Oubre, which is the, you know, that's that's the newest trade right now going on with Golden State. 
Uh, they still won't have a chance at a championship. Thompson is their second best scorer, their best perimeter defender, and he is their most clutch scorer when they need points. This is the only guy in the league who can score 60 points in a game while possessing the ball for a total of 90 seconds. This guy, Clay, legitimately had the ball for a total of 90 seconds in his hands for a game and dropped 60. That just tells you how impactful he can be without needing the ball in his hands to do it. The Warriors will surely miss this guy. It's a big blow, and it's going to force Wiseman and Wiggins to step up for them to be successful. What are your thoughts, Eric? Yeah, definitely. People got to step up. But, uh, you know, this is a team where last year it was a whole different squad pretty much, and all those starters that we had last year who gained a lot of experience are now on the bench. Um, like people like Eric Pascal, Jordan Poole, uh, you know, Kai Bowman. You have a lot of good players. Marquise Chris, who will now be a backup to James Wiseman. Um, these, this is not going to be a fighting team for the eighth seed. No way. You're telling me a team with Curry, Draymond Green, Kelly Oubre, Wiggins, and now Wiseman, and then, uh, you know, uh, all-NBA team for the rookie class, Eric Pascal. Yeah, there's no way. This team is going to be right there in the middle of the pack. Lowest I see him is seven, but they, they'll be right there. They'll they'll be winning it over these other teams. Yeah, I mean, some of these teams, you know, the the West is tough, and it's been tough for a while. So, I mean, I, I, I'm i not too confident in Wiggins, but, you know, you add in a Kelly Oubre, and I think that slides Wiggins to the third scoring option on that team. So I think he might be able to fit in there being the third scoring option, but I don't have too much faith in Wiggins. When your third scoring option averages 20 points a game, I like that. We all we don't even know what Wiseman's capable of too. Wiseman can easily slide into one of those top scoring options. You never know, especially considering that you would imagine that it's going to be a lot more pick and roll with Curry and Wiseman from now on. Yeah, that's true. And and like you said, he might be their second best scoring option, or you know, he is a rookie, so we don't know if he will be able to do that either, you know, he could be on the opposite and maybe be a bust or maybe not. So we'll have to watch how that goes. And then I know they're talking about the play in tournament. So I don't know the exact details on that. So if they add in some extra playoff spots for a play in tournament, then obviously that increases their odds to make the playoffs. We'll just have to wait and see. We're going to transition to a different NBA topic. The Phoenix Suns have acquired perennial all-star Chris Paul from the Oklahoma City Thunder. Chris Paul is coming off one of his best seasons yet, leading the Oklahoma City Thunder to the playoffs. So, George, how good can the Suns be with the addition of Chris Paul? Yeah, I really like this move. I thought it was a great move by the Suns to acquire Chris Paul. Last year, Chris Paul was able to take the Thunder into the playoffs, make them the fourth seed. And so that basically they were middle of that playoff seed. They weren't like scraping in as the eight seed. Um, and the Suns team, like I already said, they have something that the Thunder team didn't have. And that's Devin Booker. He's a cold blooded assassin, ice in his veins, mama mentality. And now that gives um, they give him a selfish point or selfless point guard who can manipulate the defense, orchestrate the offense. He will get the entire team easier buckets. Defenses will have a tough task guarding both CP3 and Devin Booker. Uh, they also have DeAndre Ayton, who was the number one pick, who is a great pick-and-roll player, a walking double-double. They also got great 3-and-D players with uh, Michael Bridges and Cameron Johnson. Chris Ball brings that clutchness to this team. He's a veteran who knows how to close out those close games, which is something that the Suns team needs. And they're going to be able to uh, get out the best out of Aiton. We saw DeAndre Jordan have his best years when he was with Chris Paul with the Clippers. So I think we could see something similar there. He brings out the best in this team. Drew, what are your thoughts? George, did you uh, look at my notes and swipe some of my points before you uh, started talking just now? Of course not. Uh, it kind of sounds like it. So I pretty much am 100% in agreement with you on this one. I think the Suns team can be electric together. I know the Suns are down in Phoenix, Arizona, where it's always hot. But the Suns don't need to worry about the heat because they got a cold-hearted assassin with ice in his veins in Devin Booker. He has the makings of a perennial all-star, and he can very possibly become a league MVP within the next 10 years. 
He's listed at 6'5", but it feels like he plays much bigger than that. He can do it all. Shoot, assist, get rebounds. He uses his body very well for someone of his size. And let's not forget, he was the MVP of the bubble, averaging 31 points per game, 4.6 rebounds per game, and 6.1 assists per game. He and Chris Paul were already seen working out together. And in my opinion, Chris is the best veteran to have on a team to help all the young bloods out that are on this squad. Chris Paul's pick-and-roll expertise is going to further aid the development of DeAndre Ayton, who can very easily be an all-star himself this time next year. How good th- How good can they be? They can be champions. That is 100% their ceiling. Will they be champions? Personally, I don't think so, because they still have to deal with the rest of the Western Conference, and they have to get past the GOAT. But it's possible. What are your thoughts? Yeah, just a real quick. Uh, Damian Lillard was the MVP of the bubble. But uh, go ahead, Eric. What do you got to say? Yeah, you know, um, they got Chris Paul now. They did get rid of Rubio, and they got rid of Oubre. Uh, it's a little different, though. You know, this Suns team was undefeated in the bubble, except for the last game, obviously. Um, well, not even. They actually won that game, and uh, they still got kicked out, which was kind of sad to see. But, you know, losing Oubre and losing Ricky Rubio – it kind of shapes his team in a different way. Yeah, you add Chris Paul, who averages about uh, 17 points a game. But, uh, you know, Kelly Oubre averaged 18 points a game for them uh, this last season. And uh, he, he played a lot of minutes. He played about 35 minutes a game. He had a 45.2 field goal percentage. He had uh, six rebounds per game. And then you also, you know, you lose Rubio, who only you know scored about 13 points a game. You know, that's not too much, but he scored over 10. Um, you add Chris Paul, who does score more a game and you know gives you better assist numbers but you lose at least two i'll put ruby on there so two two key players here um do i see them going you know far in the playoffs i don't know i kind of see them kind of near the eighth seed in a way still i don't i hate to say that because you know we all a lot of people doubted uh you know chris paul when he went to OKC and everyone thought OKC was nothing, they gave him like a point two something like that chance of making the playoffs, and there they were in number five. So uh, I don't I don't want to doubt it that far, but I really think they're going to land somewhere between the five and eighth seed, um, possibly a six, maybe a seven. The West is just so strong. You know, if this was in the East, this team would be right there in the top four. So I mean, uh, it's. It, it's hard to say in, in you know for the West, but I really think this does help the Suns. Like if they were fighting for a playoff, uh, a playoff spot this last season, this definitely gets them in the playoffs. At least this gets them in the playoffs. This keeps Devin Booker happy for at least one or two more years. You know, this also depends on Chris Paul's age and how well he'll perform. But uh, you know, we'll see what happens. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I also believe Chris Paul and the Suns will be like the Thunder team from last year in the middle of the pack team. That that's pretty. That's a um, middle pack team that's pretty uh, pretty good. Um, Chris Paul and Devin Booker will be a great duo. Chris Paul likes to pass the ball, and he is not afraid to drive into the lane and take a mid to low range shots. While Booker, on the other hand, he likes to take the mid to long range shots, and like Eric said, he he um, he plays bigger than he looks, and that's a gr- great um, ability as a a player. So I can see these two be uh, be play very very well with each other, and like I said, I could see them being in the um, a mid playoff team, and that would be really exciting to see because. Last season, they barely just missed the uh, playoffs. So I'll be excited to see what they do this year. Yeah, I think I got this team. They got the potential to be in that four to seven seed, I'd say. Uh, Again, we got to remember what Chris Paul was able to do with the Thunder. He took them to the four seed, and they don't have a player like Devin Booker on that team. So I think they could be up in that mix again. And I think this team could potentially have upset uh, potential, just like the Nuggets did against the Clippers. I think this could be a scary first round matchup if you're uh, one of those middle tier teams.
We will just have to wait and see about that one. So we're going to move to a different NBA topic. The Houston Rockets are in a sticky situation where they have two all-stars on their team who don't want to play for them anymore. Guards Russell Westbrook and James Harden are both unhappy with their place on the team and are now looking to be traded after one season together on the Rockets. So, George, should the Rockets be serious about trading James Harden and Russell Westbrook? Uh, I think they should go into the season with both future Hall of Famers if they can't get a great haul back for them. Uh, There's no need to rush into a bad trade because no matter what, the Rockets are going to lose any trade they make um, because the team that gets the better player in the trade always wins that trade deal. James Harden has led the league in scoring the last few seasons. We saw Russell Westbrook average triple doubles for three uh, straight seasons. The Rockets saw what the Pelicans were able to get for Anthony Davis and then what they were able to get for Drew Holiday. And I think that's where the trade talks are going to start. So, you know, I don't think they should rush into a bad deal. They still got James Harden locked up for three seasons. And, you know, the the only way I'd really trade is really if you get another great player back. And, you know, I know there's a lot of talks that James Harden wants to go to the Nets, but I don't think they have any player of that caliber that they would trade away. You know, Karis LeVert, any of those guys. You know, they're, they're not James Harden level, and unless they're going to trade a Kyrie Irving or a Kevin Durant, there's no way I accept that trade. Uh, what are your thoughts, Eric? Yeah, um, you never see in this league really trading an MVP for an MVP or an MVP for MVP caliber. It, you just don't really see it. What you see mostly is MVP caliber uh, player for usually a bunch of picks and a couple of good guys in that mix. Maybe someone who's a little bit past their prime or maybe really young, you know, up and comer, but you don't, you don't get these even really even trades when it comes to player to player. So like, for example, I, I'm pretty sure that Brooklyn's going to wait. They have to wait, man. They, they got to let this thing settle. Uh, let, you know, let this all come at them slowly. Cause if you, press the button right now. You're going to get, like George said, you're going to get a terrible trade and you're going to lose the trade. Um, now I know he said Brooklyn nets that kind of hurt Harden in a way is it also hurt the Rockets because now it's harder to trade in a way, you know, if, if Harden kept it more private, I think it would have been easier because now teams have leverage on, you know, what they can give the Rockets. So, you know, the, the Harden turned down the, uh, an extension that would have gave him, over $50 million per year. He would have been the first player to have that. And uh, turning that down is really, really hard to do. And, uh, you know, Brooklyn Nets, they do have a lot of young guns and Allen and Lavert and Din, Din Woodley, I forget how to say his name, but they're all really good pieces. You know, maybe a few picks. I don't even know how many picks Brooklyn Nets even have, but that, you know, that's not even enough. They would have to be a three-team trade there. So I just don't see really what the Rockets can do here besides just wait it out. Um, now Westbrook, on the other hand, I know he also has two more years on his contract as well. Um, you can tra- probably trade him for something in that sense. You know, I just, it's going to be hard to trade both that way. It's kind of a weird sticky situation that the Houston Rockets are in. I just, the only way I see this happening is really the Rockets just doing a full rebuild and I know Harden doesn't want to be there for the rebuild, hence the uh, reason why he wants to go to a contender. And he only named two teams, and they're in the East. So, I mean, smart on his on his end. You know, 76ers pretty much are Brooklyn is what it is, and he'd rather go to Brooklyn. But, you know, I don't, I don't really know exactly what the Houston Rockets can do with this. It's kind of a sticky situation. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, if I'm if Harden and Westbrook, they actually said verbally they want it out, right? Can anyone confirm? Yeah, they voiced their opinions that they wanted to be out. Yeah, All right. So if I'm Houston, they, they uh, the players already spoke out, and there could possibly be them not really playing in the season. If I'm Houston, I'll get rid of them. Get as much get as much as you can for them. Go go to a team that you know you could get a lot of picks out, or you see um some potential and some players on that team get rid of them because Houston doesn't want that 
type of aura around their team. And you got you got to get rid of them. That's all I got to say. You got to get rid of them, at least, at least for something, something good. Yeah, I agree, Joe. You got to, you got to, you got to get something good in return, hundred percent. But at the same time, you, 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 like Eric was saying, you can't be just ready to pull the trigger. And I think it's funny how I think it's funny how James Harden was talking about. Oh, like uh, he was saying that. Oh, like I want to focus on my. I, I want to focus on trying to get traded to the Nets. And I was sitting there thinking, bro, you're the player. You're not the organization. You don't have a say in where you get traded. Like how 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 is it that you think that you know you have the potential to choose your landing spot you you can't do that dude it's a trade so i think that the rockets just need to look for you know i think that the rockets just need to look for best reward for each individual player it didn't seem like too many people were hopping or raring to trade for russell westbrook so it you know maybe that's a situation where they they try to just you know get the best that they can for him and call it a day. But James Harden is definitely James Harden is definitely definitely would be worth a lot more. So I see, I say they definitely shop him around and see what they can get for him. And if, and if that means having them play the season to start, then I guess that's what you would have to do. But keep in mind, I mean, these guys, you know, these guys are very, how, how should I say this? These guys are these guys are very, you know, strong strong minded individuals. Both of them, if they want to, they really can sit and not get paid. It's not it wouldn't be a big deal for them to sit and not get paid for this. It would be a lot of money that they're losing. But these guys have accrued so much money too, and in the course of their time, that it wouldn't. If if the organization is pretty much saying no, we don't care what you want then they could easily say, well, we don't care what you want then, and we're going to sit. Yeah. Um, let's see. There's a few points I want to make here. One is, of course, you don't want the Houston – like I said, Houston Rockets don't want to look desperate. You look desperate for a trade or to get rid of somebody, and teams take advantage of you. So that's why they got to stay patient. Two – Players have a lot of leg- leverage in the NBA, especially when you're a top-tier player. Players like Kevin Durant, when he left the Warriors, when he decided to leave, he said he wanted to go to the Brooklyn Nets, and he got his destination. Uh, most staff will try and help that player out to go where they want to go, and uh, that's what happens in this league. And usually if that doesn't happen and things get sour, then your organization looks bad, especially on top-tier players. And most top tier players won't go there because then if something happens and something goes sour, then they know they will get screwed. So yes, Harden has a lot of leverage. This players in the NBA have a lot of leverage in this league. Um, so him saying where to go is okay, but it should have been more private. Like I said, because putting the Houston Rockets on the hot seat of telling them which team, and it's only one team. Now the leverage uh, leverage is on the other teams uh, against Houston Rockets and James Harden because now that, you know, for example, Brooklyn knows Harden wants to go there and that's the only place he wants to go. So they can pretty much put anything on the table and the Houston Rockets, they don't like it. They don't like to see what they see on the table. They haven't been talking much. Um, and if it was more private, they wouldn't have to worry about all the other teams saying, ah, he don't want to be over here. So why, what am I even going to try for, you know? So they really want to see, you know, a player like him, like James Harden come out and do it privately that way other teams could look more interested and you know maybe they'll it's just like i said it's a sticky situation in houston but players do have leverage for sure many especially look at the way lebron handles everything it's mostly top tier players but lebron kevin durant all these players uh kyrie irving it's just you know they, they choose where they want to go pretty much and organizations do listen and they do help them go where they want to go yeah, Eric. Um, I agree that the players have power, but not necessarily when it does come to trades. I know you mentioned Kevin Durant, but uh, he was a free agent, right? And then you mentioned uh, Kyrie right now. He had a list of four teams when he wanted to get traded from the Cavs, and he did not get traded to his list that he wanted to go to. He got traded to the Celtics. Then we look at... Huh? Celtics were on his list. Number no, two. they weren't. No, they weren't. 
Um, and then we look at even Kawhi Leonard and Kawhi Leonard wanted to go to LA and they traded him out of the country to Toronto. So, you know, they, they have leverage. Like if, okay, you don't want to play for that team, but at the end of the day, the team still chooses where they take or ship you off to. So there's that. And then if I'm the Rockets, you know, the one good deal I could kind of think of, it would be with the 76ers. Maybe, you know, you trade James Harden for a Ben Simmons and a couple picks or something. And again, we got to remember too, like you don't have to trade because at one point Kobe Bryant wanted a trade from uh, the Lakers. They kept him and they were able to keep him and still be successful. So they don't always have to trade, but um, yeah. And then I do have a question for you guys. So, I know both of them want to get traded out of there. Do you think that the Rockets need to get rid of both of them, or you think they could keep one and trade the other and still make them happy on well, whoever they keep? Last time I heard, they were trying to see if they could convince Harden to stay because it sounded like Harden wasn't like really rushing to get out, like Westbrook is supposedly. Um, but it sounds like he has a you know he likes Houston. He doesn't really want to leave Houston. It's just that he doesn't want to go through a rebuild. So it sounds like they have a, a way to persuade him. It might happen, but it doesn't, I don't know. Right now, like I said, now things are being more hush-hush compared to when everything was exploding at one point. But uh, yeah, and according to Stephanie Smith and, and uh, you know, first take and all that, the players in the bas- NBA have the most leverage out of any other sport. Yeah, they, they definitely have leverage, but when it comes to trading, you know, they still don't get to pick where they go and, uh, Kyrie Irving, his but list they don't was get to pick where they go, but they have a lot of leverage on where they can go. Yeah. I mean, basically what they do is they take the leverage away from the organization they're on right now, because that's really what they did. You know, the Rockets lost leverage in trade talks because, you know, for example, James Harden wants to go to the Brooklyn Nets. So that, that takes leverage away from the Rockets and gives it to, you know, other teams. But uh, yeah, Kyrie Irving, his list was uh, back when he was with the Cavs. It was the Spurs, the Heat, the Knicks, and the Timberwolves. That was his list back then. Yeah, George, and you're right. You know, Kyrie wanted four teams, and that was a lot of options to to give to the Cavaliers. And the Cavaliers were still like, nah, we're just going to deal you to the Celtics because it's not your choice. So that's, you know, that could very easily happen with the Rockets as well in trading James Harden. But I will say, though, that it did not really work out too well for the Celtics. So that might be another thing that teams take into consideration. Yeah, that's what I was kind of saying earlier. So, like, for example, um, the Celtics, they give away, you know, Paul Pierce, Garnett, and, uh, you know, to the Brooklyn Nets at one point. This is under the same staff pretty much. And uh, that was kind of a weird move, especially for the players. They thought, you know, they were going to stay there until they possibly retired. And then, uh, yeah, they got Kyrie there, even though he said he didn't want to go there. And, they, you know, the Cavs still traded him there. So like, there was kind of a sourness. Not just, you know, not that Kyrie walked into Celtics sour, but it wasn't one of his destinations. So now look at what, what kind of free agents are like f- flocking to the Celtics or the Cavs. It's like no one. You know, under, Cavs more understandable, but Celtics is a great. Uh, Boston's a great place to be, and you just don't see people flocking there. What you got, Hayward? Is that it? They got Hayward. They got Campbell Walker there. Um, yeah, but come on, you're not, you're not talking about Campbell Walker's nice, but you're not talking about top tier quality free agents that could have been there. You know, instead you got Brooklyn Nets boosting up. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, but um, you know. They're still able to get some people. And then, you know, like you said, it didn't really work out for them. But another example, like I brought up Kawhi in Toronto, you know, it didn't work out in them keeping them, but it worked out in them winning a championship in that one year. So, I mean, there could be a team that's in there that says, hey, you know what? We're kind of close to winning a chip. We're missing that piece. And if they think that he's that piece, then, you know, maybe they take a gamble like Toronto did and, you know, bet on it and then maybe if they win he stays who knows but you know some teams are going to be able to take that risk and try to go for it yeah i'm not i'm not sure the raptors is the greatest example as well because you know a lot of a lot of their championship victory had to do with 
uh, major injuries to the Warriors as a finals team. But I, I just don't think that that's the greatest example to use, in my opinion. Yeah, but I mean, injuries is part of the game. We, we've seen that many finals, you know. We're going to switch to the NFL. The Arizona Cardinals and the Seattle Seahawks both battled it out in a shortened week on Thursday night football. This game ended with the Cardinals driving down the field and being stopped short due to a controversial no-call on an end-zone throw to Larry Fitzgerald towards the end of the game. So, George, what are your thoughts from this intense matchup between these two competitive opponents? Yeah, you worded it right right there. It was competitive, and you could tell right from the gate both of these teams wanted it. You know, I, I could tell that they, they were out there. Russell Wilson got sacked on the very first play. Then the Cardinals went out for a couple three and outs. Uh, but for me, this really came down to, I'd say, three things on why the Cardinals kind of lost. I'd say possession of the ball, the run game, and penalties. So the Seahawks had possession of the ball for 35 minutes, 7 seconds, compared to the Cardinals, which had it for 24 minutes and 53 seconds. So they had it for another let's say 10 minutes and then Seattle, they were able to rush the ball for 165 yards compared to 57 yards for the Cardinals and then penalties. So the Cardinals had 10 penalties for 115 yards. And we saw that big penalty from Isaiah Thomas on Tyler Lockett. So, you know, you got those three things going against you. It's going to be hard to win that game, especially when both quarterbacks played really well. You know, in the last few podcasts, I've been talking about Russell Wilson and his turnovers, interceptions. He had none this game. Um, Kyle Murray didn't have any either. So both quarterbacks were on their game. And I think for me, it came down to those three reasons on why the Cardinals lost. What are your thoughts, Eric? Um, You know, these are two quarterbacks that, you know, Kyler has slowly been creeping up in here to the MVP talk. And, uh, you know, actually at this point from last year compared to Jackson, uh, I believe Kyler Murray is doing really well compared to uh, Jackson. I'll get those numbers in a second. But uh, I just think it it was a pretty good game overall. Um, Seahawks just looked real good, man. DK Metcalf, DK Metcalf, sorry, from the beginning was just on fire. I think uh, Russell Wilson was five for five and then for a touchdown on the first drive, I mean, they're both really, really good teams and they're in the same division. Like this division is so tough. Uh, NFC West is, is a really, really great division full with great players, great quarterbacks. Um, just, you know, running backs is, is really deep in this division. Uh, it's great to see a division rivalry on a Monday by themselves. And, uh, you know, it's a really good win here for the Seahawks. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, it was a Thursday not a Monday, Eric, but, uh, yeah, yeah. sorry. I'm a little bit ahead. <laughs> No, yeah, yeah, it's all good. But yeah, I, I agree. It was a really good game. Joe, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I'd just like to say uh, first that both offenses played really great. Um, like, like George said, the quarterbacks didn't throw any turnovers. And I believe there was no uh, fumbles or, or anything. So this was just a well-rounded, great, well-rounded offensive play. It's just the Cardinals came up short. They're driving. Um in the fourth quarter with a minute with a minute something left and um that throw to Fitzgerald into the um it was it was perfectly timed I think and it, it was it was good that it was a no call but it could have gone either way but from what I seen it was a good no call but what really uh set him back was that big penalty that um Drake uh, Kirkpatrick um, cost. It was at the beginning. Of, I think it was at the beginning of the game. It was still big that um, the Cardinals stopped them. I think for a third or fourth down, uh, it, was, it was going to fourth down. And um, that penalty cost them, gave them a first down right after that play. They scored a touchdown. Th that's what set the mode for the Seahawks. But the Cardinals were still there fighting. And, I believe if um, that last play of the game that when Kyler Murray got sacked, if he would have ran for that first down, called a timeout, and I think uh, 
uh, the Cardinals would have ran a good play to score that touchdown. But nonetheless, Seahawks did win. It was a great game. And um, we'll, we could possibly be seeing these two teams in the playoffs. Yeah, that would be one hell of a playoff game for sure. Uh, just to go back to those numbers I was going to bring up, uh, I know it's away from the game, but uh, through nine games last year, Jackson, Lamar Jackson had a 27-38. So 2,738 uh, yards and 21 touchdowns with a 79 QBR. And then you have Kyler Murray, who has 2,000 uh, right now through nine games, 2,979, so 200 more yards. And he also has six more touchdowns, 27 compared to 21. His QBR is a little lower at 75. But when you bring up these numbers, it's hard to say that this guy is not on an MVP caliber level right now. And he's on the rookie of the year as well. He could be. So this is insane numbers from Murray right now through nine games. And uh, him, this is him you know, playing against a well-known quarterback in Wilson and, you know, who's also, you know, first place pretty much for MVP award right now. Uh, it's just, like I said, this NFC West teams are just so great. They're insane and they're fun to watch, especially when they're, you know, playing each other. Yeah. I kind of agree with you, Eric, how Kyler Murray is creeping up to that MVP uh, caliber. And who knows, he could get some, he could get a quite a few more votes than we expected. But we're just that we're just trying to see during that uh during the end of the season. Yeah, it's creeping up to that MVP talk, but I mean, I don't think he'll get Rookie of the Year, Eric. I don't think he's a uh, Ben Simmons out there. But uh, Drew, what, what were your thoughts about this game? Um, just a couple things. You guys talked about him, you know, possibly being MVP, and although he's having a great year, there's no doubt about that. I think him. I think him losing this game hurt his chances severely of getting MVP. Um, there was talks about it, especially after that, you know, after that hail Mary toss to Deandre Hopkins. But this, you know, this was one of those games where if he really, you know, if he really wanted to separate himself from the other te- from the other MVP candidates, then he would have, he would have done so in this game and he did not do so. And so I just, you know, I just want to say that I think Kyler Murray, as great as he's been playing, I don't think he's in that MVP conversation anymore. But you guys also talked about how this was a great game for both offenses. I I disagree, honestly. I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at the numbers. You got total yards for the Cardinals of 314 and total yards for the Seahawks of 347. That's, That's pretty low. 347, you're looking at, you know, bottom 10 for total yards of offense uh on average and 314 that's even lower that's bottom five you're talking about the likes of the you know the jets the bears the giants and the washington football team so in my opinion i thought that the defenses actually did pretty well considering that both these offenses can light the can light uh can light it up so i thought the defenses did pretty well because you know like i said limiting Limiting the Cardinals to 314 and limiting the Seahawks at 347 total yards is a big deal. We're talking about, you know, 5.0 yards per play for the Cardinals versus 5.6 yards per play for the Seahawks. That's not a lot of yards per play, especially considering that, you know, considering all the deep play potential that both of these players have. But just going to go back to the controversial no call. In my opinion, I think that that definitely should have given the Cardinals the ball on the on the one yard line. In my opinion, I think the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks got away with one there. Would it have mattered? I mean, you never know because this the you know the the Cardinals still have to score the ball, so you never know. But in my opinion, I think I think the Seahawks got away with one there, and uh, I think that there you know th- this Seahawks team is still has a lot of holes. So we'll see how they do moving forward. What are your thoughts, Eric? Well, I was just going to go back to that first part you were saying about the MVP stuff because uh, you're saying he's falling out of the MVP conversation when in reality, I mean, he's blowing uh, you know Jackson's numbers out of the water here and everyone has a bad game or two and that's fine. But I mean, like he had a huge game uh, be- before this game and you know, he had one bad game is not going to change my opinion or many people's opinion on the fact that he's blowing Jackson, who was uh, 
a unanimous MVP last year. He's blowing his numbers out of the water. So he he's right there, dude. I I would still say he's right there. And uh uh yeah, that's all I gotta say about that. Yeah, I mean, if we just compare those two numbers, yeah, you're right. He is doing better than Lamar Jackson, but you know, a lot a lot of times when we talk about MVPs, you know, there's storylines and stuff that do go into the mix and Lamar Jackson was way more electric and you know it was something a little newer by how he ran and how explosive and the jukes and all the highlight you know moves that he was doing kind of took the lead by the league by storm now we see that it's caught up to him but also I mean at least during the regular season Lamar Jackson didn't really lose too much games you know we gets a lot of uh criticism for the playoff games but as far as the regular season, he really didn't lose too many games. He, Since he started as a rookie, he was doing pretty well. So all that kind of goes into the MVP talk on why he would probably get it or why he did get it compared to maybe why Kyle Murray isn't going to get it. And to, you know, the race wasn't, he wasn't even mentioned in the race until basically last week. So he was going to be more of a dark horse type of player versus, you know, he was leading the race. I agree with that. And I definitely think that this loss versus a, you know, versus your versus the divisional opponent, in my opinion, that is the most threatening to your spot in uh, as the leading team in that division. Uh, I think that, you know, a loss to that team definitely is not going to help his case at all. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially if you're both in the race together and that's kind of why I was, you know, taking Wilson out of it when they did play that last time because he did have those three interceptions and then he had like another couple bad games after that. But um, I mean, overall I thought this was a good Thursday night football game. Usually I'm used to suck fest on these Thursday nights, but this was actually a really good matchup and a close game, you know, one touchdown. Agreed. All right, we are getting to towards the uh, end of the hour, so we are going to get to Joe's weekly pick'em for this Sunday and Monday. Joe, are you ready? Oh, yeah. All right, Joe. We're going to start with... We're going to start with the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are 9-0, and taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Joe, who you got in this one? That's an easy one. I picked the Steelers. I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one, Joe. Not going to lie. I, I would agree with you every other week, but that one. So you think the Jags have a chance? I do, actually. The Jags right. actually play well against the Steelers. All right. Well, we'll find out, right? On Sunday right, Sunday morning, right? Yep. 10 a.m. All right. We'll see. For us, 10 a.m. Yeah. West Coast. All right. Philadelphia Eagles taking on the Cleveland Browns, Joe. I got the good old brownies taking the W. Ooh, that would put them at seven and three, Joe, if that's true. Yep. All right. Next, we have the Atlanta Falcons taking on the New Orleans Saints. Jameis Winston now starting for the New Orleans Saints. Who you got, Joe? I got the Saints winning this just because how in uh yeah all the irregularity irregularities with the Falcons inconsistencies. So I, the Saints are going to win this. We'll have to see. Next, we have the Bengals taking on the Washington football team, Joe. We're going to get the Bengals with the win right here. Ooh, interesting. Next, we have the Detroit Lions taking on the Carolina Panthers. This is going to be a good game. Uh, it's a pretty close matchup, but I have the Lions winning. Ooh. Next, we have a rematch of the playoff game last year. Tennessee Titans versus the Baltimore Ravens, Joe. I got the the Ravens winning this one. Uh, Derrick Henry might have a good a day on the with running, but I think the Ravens offense will see all the opportunities with the Titans defense. So Ravens with the dub. Next, Joe, we got the New England Patriots who are slowly creeping back into contention. They're taking on the Houston Texans. Yeah, this this one was kind of a tough for me, uh, but I, I can't uh, deny that 
Bill Belichick will figure out a really good game plan. So the Pats are going to win this. All right. Then we got the Miami Dolphins, who have really started to light things up in the past few weeks, Joe, taking on the Denver Broncos. Get the Dolphins another win right there. Ooh, seven and three, Joe? Inching close to the Bills. Ooh, I like the sound of that, Joe. I know George loves the sound of that, too. (laughs) It ain't happening. We'll just see. Next, we got the New York Jets. Should I even go over this one, Joe? Nah, you you could skip over that one. We already know the Jets are going to lose. All right. Next, we got the Green Bay Packers taking on the Indianapolis Colts. Joe, I know you're high on them. What do you think? Yeah, this this one it was actually maybe um back think, making me think back and forth. It's going to be a really good game. The probably the number one quarterback right now, and I guess the number one defense, but. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to pull this one out and get the W, but it might go either way. But as of right now, I say Packers with the W. All right, we'll have to see. Next, we have the Dallas Cowboys, who got Andy Dalton back in the mix, and they're not out of the division yet, Joe, because that division, we all know what that division represents. They're taking on the Minnesota Vikings. Who you got? Andy Dalton back ain't going to change how sucky they are. Uh, The Vikings are going to win. All right, and then we got the big Sunday night football matchup, Joe. The Kansas City Chiefs are looking for revenge against the Las Vegas Raiders, who did a victory lap around Arrowhead Stadium. Who you got, Joe? We might as well take another victory lap because the Raiders are going to get another dub. Ooh, ooh, ooh. We'll just have to see. Yeah, get that sweep on them Chiefs, boy. All right, and then... On Monday night, Joe, we got the uh, the Los Angeles Rams taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This one also made me think a lot. I had a look in some uh, stats and stuff, but the Buccaneers will win this one in a close one. It could go either way, but I think the Buccaneers will inch this one out. All right. Excellent choices, Joe. We'll have to wait and see. Yep, well, the, only, the only choice that you got wrong was the Jags winning. Mm, mm. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for today, everyone. Thank you for joining us here on Highly Contested. We will post a podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so be sure to stay tuned, keep with it, and be prepared to be highly contested. Have a good one. Highly contested. Highly contested. Dummy, dummy, dummy.